damn, let's talk some shit. It's Polly Siegel and Victoria Aaron, two licensed therapists who've spent way too much money on degrees, certifications, and trainings. Mm. We both love what we do and couldn't imagine working in any other profession, but we're forced to be serious all the time, and that gets boring. Shit Talking Shrinks discusses important mental health topics, the human experience, and society at large, while poking fun along the way. It won't be all fun and games because after every episode, you'll walk away with tangible tools to navigate life more effectively. We love a tangible tool. This episode is sponsored by Joyous. Okay, I have to tell you about this incredible company, Joyous. It's an at-home ketamine treatment that delivers ketamine to your door for $129 a month, which is absolutely unheard of because most ketamine treatment is hella expensive. And what ketamine does is it helps our prefrontal cortex work more optimally. And the prefrontal cortex helps with decision-making, problem-solving, emotional regulation. It's the part of the brain that gets us through hard shit. And so if you're someone who has struggled with anxiety and depression and you've tried antidepressants or you've tried mood stabilizers and they haven't helped, ketamine is absolutely the next step. And I have seen my clients thrive while using ketamine. Joyous makes it super easy to access this life-changing medicine, and you can start the process by visiting www.joyous.team. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Shit Talking Shrinks. It's Victoria Aaron and Paulie Siegel. We're in this bitch. And it's just the two of us today. It's just the two of us. Just the two of us. We, we can, can make, make it, it if we try. try. Just the two of us, you and I. Okay, wait. I've thought this before and I've never really said it, but I think it's important to say now. You actually have a really good voice. It makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so funny. Growing up, my dad would be like, Polly, you have such a good voice. And I'd be like, you're just saying that, dad, because you're my dad. No, you actually do. All right. Welcome, everybody. The shit talking shit talker shrinks are here. We're here today to talk about friendship. You know, we're good friends. We've had good friends. We've had shitty friends. I think both of us have been shitty friends in our lives. And a lot of us, I mean, I think we've gotten a lot of questions just throughout our personal and professional lives about like, how do I be a good friend? And like, what does that look like? And how do I not just be a good friend to others, but how do I be a good friend to myself? So we're talking about it now. And I think it's sort of like people just assume that we naturally know how or inherently know how to be a good friend. But I actually don't believe that's the case. I think it's through trial and error. I think it's learned. It's through feedback from others. And I do get a lot clinically like, hey, my friend's going through this. I have no idea how the fuck to show up. How do I be a good friend? What do I do? Like there's this like self-doubt and uncertainty around how to navigate friendships sometimes. And so I think this this topic is overlooked, but it's necessary. The first thing I think we should do is define friendship. Yeah. When you say that, it's like, how do you define it? So friendship is defined as the emotions or conduct of friends, the state of being friends. (laughs) So that's not helpful to us. But then the next piece is a state of mutual trust and support between allied nations. Was that like a UN definition? What the fuck was that? Let's say a state of mutual trust and support between allied people. Right. Or allied 
But let's just keep it for people. Cause I mean, listen, I mean, our animals are best friends. Yes, but we'll keep it between people. Or the official Webster definition is trust and support between allied people. So there's the definition. Now, where do we go from there? That definition doesn't even have any depth to it. I really don't actually like that definition at all. Because yes, a good friendship has trust and support. But what does it mean to develop trust? What does it mean to have quality support? I think the best way to start this dialogue is to define what is a bad friend. Like, let's go inverse. Let's talk about what makes a shit friend. Okay, I like that. So the anti-model. My therapist always says that, you know, like it's important to have anti-models too. I've had really shitty friends in my life. I think we've talked about this a lot, right? Like Paulina has a very solid group of friends. I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast, but I've talked about it with you personally. Paulina's group of friends is very solid, long-standing friendships, super rich in history and support and reciprocation and love. And my experience with friendships is way different. Like I've had the experience that I had shitty friends most of my life. A big theme throughout people that I let into my heart is that they were takers. What does it mean to be a taker in a friendship? Like, give me an example. You know me, right? Like, you know, I'm I'm generous and I give a lot of love and and all of it, right? And um, the people that I surrounded myself with were people that would take advantage of that and take from me without giving anything in return. And it's kind of like, like, I think way far back in the memory bank of some of my first conscious thoughts, like, I used to have these kids in my life who would like come over and steal things from my house. And I knew that they were stealing and I couldn't confront them and I couldn't stop hanging out with them because I was scared I would have no one to hang out with. I had my parents write a check to a drug dealer in high school, not because I bought drugs from him, because I wanted to be friends with him. My parents wrote a $2,500 check. Did they know it was going to a drug dealer? (laughs) I took them to a family therapy session and I was like, mom and dad, I owe a drug dealer a lot of money. I didn't owe him any money. I just wanted him to be friends with me. So this is what's this is what's coming up for me is like, will your family pay me to be your friend? Because I would gladly accept that money. Yes, absolutely. My family would be honored to pay you to be my friend. I'm looking for like (laughs) thirty (laughs) five hundred. Oh, my God. Here's the issue I'm having while even recounting this. It's like, yes, were they takers? And did I have shitty friends? Sure. But where my mind goes is I allowed it. Like, I think that the reason that we have shitty friends in our lives is not because there's like a high amount of shitty people in the world or whatever. It's like we allow it because we don't feel good about ourselves. What stands out or resonates in what you've said to me is that the taker versus the supplier. That type of doer or dynamic is so detrimental because there's not reciprocity and there's not equality in the friendship. So one person is giving an abundance of energy and generosity and the other person is receiving and potentially using it to their advantage. So I think if anyone's trying to like assess their friends, they can think about like, does my friendship have reciprocity? Is the energetic field of how much I put in versus they put in similar. It's not going to be perfect. It won't be 50-50 ever. But is there enough to say that, yeah, this is pretty balanced? Or is it like, holy shit, I give so much and I get very little in return. 
Yes. It wasn't until last year that I left my ex that I literally assessed all of my relationships in my adult life and said, what the fuck am I doing? I'm giving everything to these people and I'm not getting shit in return. I am drained. Ooh, that's another one. Am I drained or am I energized? And not in a good way. No, really. I just I think you just used a really powerful word. Like, does my friendship energize me or am I left empty and drained and tired and exhausted? I think that would be another quality of a shit or questionable friendship. Do you think maybe that's a tangible tool? I think you're giving all tangible tools, my love. We have reciprocity. I'm tooled up, shorty. (laughs) Sorry. Basically, you ask yourself, is my friendship reciprocal? Am I drained when I leave or am I energized when I leave? Those are two really good questions. Yeah, I guess the when I think about a questionable friendship, another thing would be, is the relationship authentic and honest? And this might be controversial when we get into this, because I think the way I feel about this is an unpopular opinion. Is it authentic? Can I be honest? Can I challenge? Or am I in a friendship in which I have to placate, sugarcoat, be an undying cheerleader no matter what they do? Like To me, that doesn't feel like a healthy friendship if I can't fully be transparent. And I think this is where you and I differ. And when you and I have had conflict in our friendship, it's because of this very thing, right? It's hard because it's for you, when you feel something, your intuition is always so fucking spot on. It's like painful. It's like, holy shit. Like she's literally most of the time you guys always write. When she calls something, it's pretty fucking much a hundred percent. So it's like, You have this intuition. And so for you to not say, hey, I'm not feeling good about what you're doing. It's not possible for you. It's not. And actually, when I feel like I have duct tape on my mouth, it is the most destabilizing experience for me. But share with them our differences in it, because I think you understand it even better than I do. I mean, I think where I come from in friendships is I don't ever feel like I'm inauthentically cheering for somebody if I don't agree with their life choices. You know, like sponsoring people in a 12-step fellowship, I hear people tell me the craziest shit and I'm almost never like, don't do that. I don't feel good about that. What I say is, I usually ask like, what do you need for me? If I'm really mindful about where I'm at, right? what do you need from me in this moment? And if they say like, I just need you to like, listen to me and support me. I feel that in my heart. I want the best for you. And you believe like, this is the best choice. I love you. And I feel it. It doesn't feel inauthentic. But if they say to me, like, I want your opinion. I want, you know, you to tell me how you feel. Usually what I'll say is I don't feel good. And also, I genuinely feel like what people do with their lives is not my business. And I think that's the way I was raised. You know, we like to talk shit. I love gossip. I do. Like when my friend's doing something fucked up and I get a phone call about it and people want to talk about it, I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go. This feels great, you know? And I'm sure it feels the same on the flip side. When it comes down to it and somebody approaches me, a friend approaches me and says, 
and they're doing something that I really genuinely feel like is dangerous or insane. I do offer one moment of, I just got to let you know, I think this is really terrifying and I want to be there for you every step of the way. So what do you need from me? But that's how I feel. If it wasn't authentic, I would feel like you. I would feel like I had my hands tied behind my back and not in the way that I want them. Hashtag bondage. I've never done bondage, but I really do want to try. Yeah, I do too, but I don't want to be tied up. Oh. I don't want to feel powerless. I want them to feel powerless. Okay. Okay. I know that. (laughs) You can call me daddy at this point if you want. What about mommy? I think I want to be a daddy. Oh, that's hot. Okay, daddy. (laughs) She can't even talk. She's paralyzed. I'm paralyzed. I want to take a quick pause to talk about our sponsor, a company called BetterHelp. It's an online therapy platform where all the therapists are licensed and accredited professionals. It's affordable. You pay a low flat fee for therapy with your therapist. And it's convenient. Do it at your own time and at your own pace. And you can communicate with your therapist as much as you want and whenever you feel is needed. And more importantly, it's effective. Thousands of people have benefited from therapy using BetterHelp. And we're really grateful to offer all of our listeners 10% off your first month. So if you're interested in receiving therapy ASAP, click the link in our show notes and you can get started. And you get to save money. Okay. I think I feel jealous that that is possible, what you just described, that detachment while still being able to show love, because I can't access it. And it must be because of some sort of inner child wound that's not allowing me to access that sense of freedom, that detachment that you're describing of providing unconditional love regardless of someone else's choice, even if I find that choice to be trash. I'm not sure I know how to cultivate that. And that's definitely a deficit. But I think it comes from a wound that I'm not fully aware of. So like, I guess the wraparound here is there has to be authenticity in a relationship and there has to be honesty and transparency only to a certain degree. You have striked that balance. I have not. I don't know how to regulate that. So for me, it's either 100% honesty, full throttle, or it's completely withdrawn and I'm absent. You, on the other hand, have mastered that beautiful balance. And so I think that comes up in friendships for me where it's not pleasant for the other person. Now, I think of myself as a phenomenal friend, but this is an area in which I'm lost. You know, I'm reflecting as to why, because you know me, I mean, I'm a pretty straightforward person and I would say I'm a very authentic person and I'm thinking to myself, like, how did I become this way? I do think, you know, 11 years of being in a 12 step fellowship and in 11 years of encountering so many people and leading so many people through things and even my clinical training and what I believe to be true about being, you know, a coach and being somebody who, you know, is a catalyst for change in people's lives when it really comes down to it, what other people do is not my business. If they're hurting me, which is a new recognition for me, I used to always put aside that I was being hurt. But if they're hurting me, then I usually am 
very able at this point in my life to say, you're hurting me. I'm not okay with it. Either change or we need to shift the way that we interact. When you, when you say it's not my business, that's where I disagree. Because if you involve me, now it's become my business. And that's the part that I can't separate. If you call me and you are venting about all this toxicity. Never done that. <laughs> no, we've all done that. But like if you choose to involve me, you've hooked me then I feel like it's now my business. And maybe that's a sense of entitlement, but I don't see the detachment because I've invested care and love now. And once Paulina invests care and love, that's a new level of attachment. I get the type of friend you are makes sense to me. And the type of friend I am also makes sense to me. And I don't think that one is better than the other. I think what my style of friendship, my like, hey, I love you. I want the best for you, whatever you need to do for yourself. And really genuinely feeling that gives me more allowances with people in my life. I have less rigidity in my friendships, but I don't think one is better than the other. I really don't. When people involve me, I don't feel like their life choices still are my business. I'm happy to give my love and support without getting invested and attached. Well, perhaps that's the sign of a very healthy way of showing up. So maybe what I think I'm internalizing is if you have too much of an attachment or an intensity around outcome, depending on what they're choosing to do, that can be really detrimental. I have experienced that within my friendships because I do get very attached to their health and their wellness. And when I have determined they're making trash decisions, which I'm going to be blunt, It's pretty objective. It's not like subjective. (laughs) Like they're making trash decisions. You know what I'm talking about right now. I know. It's just funny because I've you've done it with me. Paulina and I were in the St. Thomas airport and like our flights were delayed and like we had had a shitty breakfast and like it was like the whole thing. And she's like telling me like when this guy hurts you again and he will. I don't want to hear about it. But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that's fucked up for people that you give love to. Okay, you're usually right. You know what I mean? And if somebody right, the type of friend that I am to you. I can come to you and say that I can come to you and say you were right, you know. But you've always met me with love or when I fuck up, I apologize and try to meet with love. And you always own it. Here's another tangible tool. As a friend, when you fuck up, when you harm somebody, take responsibility for it. We can't move forward in friendships like with Jordan Dan, right? Rupture and repair. There are so many ruptures that happen in friendships where people don't say shit. Look at the rupture and repair that happened last night when we went to dinner. I'm telling you the story. I perceive it as you having judgment. I then shut down and then, you know, I expressed in the moment, like I feel judged and you very quickly recalibrated and said, oof, like I didn't mean to show up that way. What do you need? Here's the other piece, right? We have different friends for different reasons. So when I want the truth about something, I go to Polly Siegel. (laughs) Or Marnie Nalloway. I mean, she's pretty honest too. Yeah. But when I go to Marnie Nalloway, you guys are like different beds, you know? Marnie Nalloway is like that fluffy bed 
you're just going to be met with like, are you about to say that? Like my, the bed that I am is like the Holocaust beds. (laughs) No, you're like a Tempur-Pedic. I'm like the fucking barracks. No, you're like a Tempur-Pedic. You're like a sleep number bed, bitch. You're like, this is what it is. This is how you're going to have the best sleep of your life. Cause I'm going to tell you the number that you need to sleep at. Ho. <laughs> I'm like a water bed. All right. I'm glad I'm not Hitler. That's good. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> I'm like a water bed. No, you're better than a water bed. A water bed is a shitty ass bed. You're, you're way better than that. Wait, you said something that was really big for me. Can we scroll back? You said there are certain types of friends you go to. And so assessing which friends provide what need. I think that's another part of being a good friend or honoring friendships is knowing I go to Sarah for X. I go to Rachel for Y. I go to Rifka for Z. (laughs) Do you like (laughs) I go to Esther for W. Like, where are we? We're in the Talmud. I feel like I'm saying the via hafta right now. <laughs> Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Via hafta, call my friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, another thing that comes up for me, and this is tied to being able to detach from your friend's choices and the outcomes they make or the outcomes that pan out, is a sense of acceptance of who they are and their shortcomings and limitations. Like that's another thing that goes into being a good friend is actually wholeheartedly acknowledging the things about your friend that you love and adore and admire and appreciate, but also finding like peace with the things that are not your favorite, but not necessarily trying to make that friend change those aspects, but instead cultivating acceptance for the things that they can provide and the things that they cannot. Like I have shitty qualities. There's shit about me that is not your favorite. There's qualities about you that I don't love. Say them now. No, I'm saying there's things about me that you don't love. It's not true. Come on. (laughs) I just want to fucking know what you don't love about me. (laughs) You got to tell me one. Let's absolutely not. No, because then we're going to feel sad and I don't want to deal with that. I could not feel sad right now. I'm on level 100. But let me be very clear. There are things about my other best friends that I don't love. That was not targeted at you. Like I could find one thing in every friend that I have that I don't love about them. Come on. Here's the thing, though. Like the things that I don't love about my friends, right? It doesn't like quantify like that in my head or qualify like that in my head. It's just like I don't know how to express it other than the things that I don't like in my friends the things that bother me, right? Unless my friend is hurting me, they don't disturb me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really have a lot of acceptance for where people are at. Like, I really, again, not judgment. Like, I understand people's limitations. And unless they're hurting me, their limitations don't bother me. In fact, I think that they actually make the friendship more fun. Mm. Yeah, they don't make it more fun for me. God, I am really interested now. No way, Jose. (laughs) She's got secrets. (gasps) Victoria's Secrets. Oh my God. How do you feel about Victoria's Secrets? I've never asked you that. Let's fucking talk about this really quick because 
as I am in my single era and as I am a fucking person in the garden and there's a lot of butterflies landing, do not approach me and say, what is your secret? I'll tell you why. It's not clever. And Victoria's Secret is shit. Don't sponsor us, Victoria's Secret. Your shit sucks. I remember being a fat little kid and all of these bitches wearing pink pants and the shirts and I couldn't fit in them. I was like, mom, the Spanx, you know, like I couldn't, you can't wear Spanx in pink. God damn it. So fucked. Yeah, I was also, I mean, you know, I was also a a chubster. Mm, So cutie. I was thick before it was cool. I know. Could you imagine if we were young now and we were thick? It would be like, look at that. Look at that eighth grader. She's thick. I wouldn't have (laughs) developed an eight year eating disorder, but that's another tale. That's That's another tale. (laughs) I'm going to bring up this client example because I thought it was so fascinating. I one time was processing with a client about a friendship that she was struggling with. And she basically said to me, My friend is wanting a lot more nourishment and energy that I'm able to give. I'm a low maintenance friend. I'm a fucking succulent. Like you have to water me maybe once a month. And this friend is, I don't know, another plant, but the type of plant that you need to water weekly, maybe even daily. So I think another thing in friendship is being able to assess what kind of plant is the other person. And can you do it in a way that's going to keep the plan alive? I'm not a succulent. I need a lot of tending to. And in fact, I would say that I don't personally do well with succulents. Like if the other person just wants to be watered once a month, like that doesn't work for me. This goes into boundaries, right? It's like, and I think for your client example, it's being able to say to the person in your life, like, I love you. I love you. I love having you in my life once a month. Everything else is too high maintenance for me. Can we navigate a way to make this work or do we need to discontinue? Like it's all about being real, having realistic expectations, knowing who the fuck you are, knowing who the person in your life is, and then coming together and seeing, can we be in true partnership? Yeah. But I would say, Victoria, and this is to echo what you're saying, that if you treated me like a succulent, you and I would not have the friendship we have. But I'm not a succulent. I, too, require daily attention. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And she's referencing her vibrator. So um, I know. I know. The Satisfier. I think that they should sponsor us. That thing is a fucking powerhouse. Okay, so tangibles. Let's recap. So we have assessing what type of plant your friend is and being able to show up and provide that or renegotiating the type of watering schedule to make sure that both parties are happy. We have being honest and transparent and being authentic, but really looking at your attachment to the other person's choices and their outcomes and creating a little bit of detachment, like Victoria said, because if you're too attached or you're too overly involved, That's unhealthy, a.k.a. me. Let's not put judgment on it, babe. It's okay. I can judge myself. Okay, judge yourself. I'm not judging you. No, it's okay. I think I could have like a critical assessment of myself. That's not a bad thing. So we also had reciprocation. We want to make sure that both people are getting their needs met. 
what's the energetic field between you two? Is one putting over pouring, over generous and the other person is taking and receiving? Do I feel energized or drained after my interactions? Am I feeling like, wow, that was amazing? Or am I feeling like, holy fuck, I want to die right now? Yeah. Or I need to like hermit for the next week because I'm on low battery. And as we wrap up, Polly, I think, you know, the topic of friendship is so vast. But what's cool for our listeners is everything we've talked about, because I think for you and I, right, especially now at this point in your life, a lot of our content is around intimate relationships. But what's so cool is everything that we talk about in terms of intimate relationship or self-relationship can be applied to friendship. All of these things are critical in friendship. And I will say this. I think as a human being, a lot of us either land on the end of being inherently very selfish and acting in that way or inherently very selfish and acting in a way of selflessness, right? But human beings are inherently selfish. And so to be in partnership with people is very trying. It is hard. It is hard. If someone has the opinion that friendships should be easy, breezy, lemon squeezy 24-7, that's not realistic. Some of the best friendships have depth and conflict and hurdles. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad friendship. In every friendship I have had, there have been depths of incongruence. Basically, what we're saying is we should all be fighting and then fucking. Okay, last, last thing, and then we'll do your signature goodbye. In order to be a good friend, like you said in the start of this podcast, you have to be a friend to yourself. Yeah. And you have to be self-compassionate to yourself and give yourself grace. And everything we talked about with Kimberly in our episode on self-compassion, shout out Kimberly, you a G. Hey, she a G for real. She's actually in Australia right now visiting her family. She's so hot. She is hot. So be a friend to yourself. Diddle yourself. Yeah. And we love you. Big, big love. <laughs>